0: Welcome to the Rap Race to Five podcast, where we discuss money, mindset, real estate investing, and ways to achieve financial independence. Whether you are a rookie or a veteran needing new ideas for investing or creating side hustles, you're in the right place. Here to challenge you to think out of the box, your hosts, Felipe Mejia and Diego Corzo. Diego, what's up dude? Super excited for today's episode specifically cuz we have a good friend of ours, Sarah Nerds Guide to on Instagram, uh from Dave Ramsey to no debt to buying homes to then she tells us a story of her divorce and then jumping back and buying more rental properties even through it. Man, it's a great story today.
1: Yeah, and it's really cool to to hear how she After the divorce and everything, she still went back and began house hacking. And that's something that a lot of people will say, no, it's not for me right now. I have a child. It's just me and my child. But she committed to it. And now she bought her property. She has another duplex. And the best part is that she's going to share how she bought it with private money, interest only. And yeah, it's an amazing story. So really excited.
0: Yeah, I'm super excited to get into it. Uh, One of the big things, big takeaways from this is how she's a single and a mom, but is house hacking, which I was like, oh my gosh, like I would be terrified to do something like that. But she talks about how confidently and how it all works out and how she's got it structured in a really cool way uh, and what her family thinks about it. So no more banter, dude. Let's just get right into it. Sarah, what's up? Sarah, welcome to the show. I'm actually really excited to have you here at Rat Race to Five podcast. We've been friends for a while. We know Diego for a while, Uh, but I'm, I'm excited because you have such a a big story to tell. And me and Diego were excited to get it on uh, and and hear it uh, since I know it. But I, I wanted our listeners to know that, you know, investors come from all walks of life, from all struggles of life, and uh, and you can be successful through and through. Uh, but Sarah, how are you today? I'm excited to dig in.
2: I'm doing fantastic. I am busy as heck, but I think that's how everyone is who grinds it out. So <laughs> loving every minute of being extremely busy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I bet. Uh, like I said a minute ago, I know I know a little bit of your story, but why don't we take it back to the beginning? Uh, on this podcast, Sarah, I love listening to people's story of how they became investors and what got them into it, who they are, kind of peeling back the layers other than just like, oh, I have a hundred doors and I make like a good bajillion dollars. It's like, okay, that's cool. But I want to know like who you are. And I think other people kind of want to as well. So let's start from the beginning. So like, High school, what was that like for you? Who were you in high school? Were you part of the cool? Were you a mean girl? Oh my gosh, were you a mean girl? That would have been great. But, like, how were you in high school? Like, uh,
2: I was hey, I'm not a mean girl, but I was probably friends with people that be considered mean girls, but I was really quiet and shy. <laughs> so, in the, the popular movie, group, right? but being like awkwardly in the back,
0: yeah. <laughs> okay, so tell us high school. Who were you in high school? Sports, would you do specifically uh,
2: Heron from Mean Girls? <laughs> where I'm like I'm like oh I hate biology too and then they're like why do you have 120 percent in your biology classes I'm like oh yeah about that I was like a closet um nerd in high school that is where I was at but yeah I
0: hence the Instagram name
2: yeah exactly now I just own it so um yeah and I have like I feel like I have a solid resting face a little bit. Can I say that in your podcast? Um, so there's times where I just feel like people thought I was really mean in high school, but it was just because I didn't really talk that much. And yeah, I have that general look sometimes, so it doesn't help. Um, then I just full on go with the trend of lattes and Target. So we're just embracing it at this point where I do real estate like, and have it. a badass job and still wear Uggs. So <laughs> that is my personality to a T. <laughs>
0: The Ugg white girl. I'm sorry, but I love that. Now you just embrace People, it. Like,
2: get on my Instagram and are probably like, who the hell is this girl? Like we don't care about another basic white girl. And I feel like I have some street cred now. So
0: no, but wait a minute. You came to Nashville and you got picked up by a random Hispanic dude that took you to tacos. So that, how does we that did. fit the narrative?
2: We did. Um, we, that did happen. Um, I needed a free ride from the airport. No, <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you just embrace the taco.
2: And he offered to feed me. So I said, sure. My love language is food Um,
0: (laughs) and free rides.
2: (laughs) So I go to Nashville a lot for work or I used to go a lot pre-pandemic. And actually, I was there on Nashville for basic white girl things while we're on that topic Um, there for a bachelorette party like everyone goes to Nashville for And me and Felipe had been messing each other on Instagram. And I was like, I really want to see kind of your model because I was fascinated by the up, down duplex idea and converting that walkout basement. And I was thinking that might've been a way to get into these higher price markets that I really like to invest in, in my area. And so I wanted to see how Felipe did it. And so he's like, well, I'll pick you up from the airport rolls up in this like beat up truck, but also we should appreciate that because you're, you know financial independence like he's not going to show up in like a mercedes like i'd be disappointed <laughs> but yeah so like felipe said random hispanic man rolls up to the airport and picks up a strange girl and drives her to i don't know where a suburb of nashville and we walk so her that was
0: together. that was actually uh diego's and i as house fanning uh and i was in my work truck yeah that was actually yours, Diego. Her so she has. To so, so. so
1: she has seen the property. I still haven't seen the property since we bought yeah. it. So <laughs> that's bad. good.
2: It's very nice. It was very nice in the drywalling stages when I was there, but I could at least get the idea of the layout and kind of the nuts and bolts, which is really what I wanted to see. Was like the mechanicals of it, how you do like windows, how you think about plumbing, all of that. So. Which is nice because I helped, like, I recreated that in Indiana.
0: I was going to say, I was going to say, well, we're going to come back to that because you actually have, and I want to get into that story about the window and like what you're doing now and all that fun stuff. (laughs) So I'm excited to get into that. So you... In high school, clearly you you were you were a in the closet nerd. Now you embrace it. I love that. What about college? What was college life like for you? Did you do real estate in college or was that way after?
2: No, it was way after. So I was a very like, this is what you do. You graduate high school, you go to college, you get the good job, like, like follow all the marks, um, like did like business school at first and then realized that I like science. Um, and then I just kept going to college forever. So I did a four-year undergrad, a two-year master's, and then another master's degree. So I have two master's, which is, people don't know that very much because I just talk about real estate. And I I do genetics for a living and I get the weirdest questions when I start talking about that. (laughs) So I largely avoid it, but it is something I will talk to people about if they have questions.
0: Wait, so you did it like simultaneously or you did one back-to-back?
2: I did back-to-back so i did my mba second and i did that while i was working full-time so just an online so app.
0: actual actual instagram nerd not just the name
2: literally in real life nerd like my day job is like medical expert in genetics wow so i did not know that at all so. yeah
0: no me neither so so maybe sarah you can tell me why i'm so beautiful genetically when <laughs> i'm <Multifact>. wow <laughs> <laughs> i can that's hilarious i love it okay so now we know a little bit of sarah actual real life super nerd not just not just nerd like you need to add super because you have like two you have two d- that's, that's insane Food master sure you you quite hit the degree.
2: at least i didn't know about myself at that point that i need to work life balance and that is why i didn't go to medical school and why i didn't like pursue something else it was I wanted a nine to five job because I always want to do something else. And I didn't know what that meant yet, but I just like knew that was always a thing for me. So, which is kind Mm. of fascinating to see where that took us. So
1: did that, did that happen because you read a book that taught you the mindset like that you wanted to do something else later after the nine to five?
2: (sighs) Actually, no. So it came from, so I rode horses in high school because I'm not coordinated. Like I can't catch a ball. Like no Um, nerd through and through like this shouldn't be a surprise. Um, And so I rode horses and one of my, I was going to do that for a living. Like that was my dream. I even looked at colleges and got like a scholarship for like horseback riding. And Then this, my trainer had like a come to Jesus. And she's like, you will spend every morning, every night, every weekend with the horses. If you want to have a life or nice things, you're not going to like make any money or do things like that. And that was kind of a shock because that was my dream. My aspiration was to be like a professional, you know, horseback rider, own a stables, give lessons. And I just wouldn't have a life and I wouldn't see my kids or family. And she really struggled with that and kind of talked with me about it. And then that kind of pivoted me like, oh, shit, I have to find something else now. And my parents were really excited about it because they're like, go get a real degree. Don't get your degree in equestrian studies. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's really funny. So Sarah, I, I'm going to and, and I only know this uh, because I know you a little more personally, but you were a huge Dave Ramsey yeah. Uh, person yeah. before, uh, it's almost like a cult. It is a cult. Call a cultist. It literally, like it is I a cult. drank the
2: Kool-Aid for many years.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so tell, tell us a little bit about that. Cause I, now I'm going to get it. We want to get into your real estate, of course. And thank you for sharing who you were in high school and college, super nerd. Uh, I'm going to change your IG name and or my, your contact in my phone to super nerd, but let's Dave Ramsey. So you were a big Dave Ramsey, uh, before real estate. Tell us how that even started and like how that, how, how that, how all that worked.
2: Uh, I had a friend tell me about it because I got married kind of, you did all the things. So you got married, you got your first job out of grad school. You got the, you know, hospital, like basic job in my career field. That's usually what people start at and you finance yourself a car. And then we financed my like husband, the car, and just like bought all of the things ended up in this like huge pile of debt, like financed a motorcycle, like all this dumb stuff. Um, there was like a car accident, like we financed more stuff. And then we ended up like almost a hundred thousand dollars in debt. And I was like, well, this sucks. Um, this doesn't feel like I have this job that you essentially, I feel like I checked every box of what the American dream looks like. We bought a house, we did all the things. And I was like, I feel like I'm wildly unhappy and I feel like I'm never going to have a life or fun or the type of life I wanted. And so a friend introduced me to Dave Ramsey. And I was like, I need to clean up this debt first so I can actually do things I want to do. So yeah. And then the pivotal like books happened about a year into Dave Ramsey. So rich dad, poor dad, and then actually set for life by Scott Trench, which is a bigger pockets book. So that was, that's actually
0: a good one. That's actually a really good book. Yes. That's actually a really good book.
2: I was shocked how young Scott Drench was because I read it before I was really in deep with like understanding bigger pockets and I'm like what how old is he like he wrote a really legit book and I think just got me thinking differently about cars and lifestyle because once you kind of get on the Dave Ramsey bandwagon you I learned at least how easy it is to save money and to have a good savings rate so I'm like what am I going to do next because this debt's going to be paid off but I'm not gonna just like go back to being a normal person after this like I kind of want to do something different. And so then the whole financial independence thing really kicked off. So
1: that's good. That's good. And quick question. Would you be able to describe like for, for the audience, what is the Dave Ramsey mentality? If They haven't heard about Dave Ramsey. Yet?
2: <laughs> if you haven't heard of Dave Ramsey, he hates debt of any kind. So all debt is bad. Student loans, car debt, credit cards. You don't use credit cards at all. Um, so he does the baby steps. So you have your little thousand dollar emergency fund. You pay off your debt smallest to largest in the debt snowball. And then once you pay off all your debt, you save up a bigger emergency fund. Then you start investing your 15% into your 401k and you do that until you retire at 65. And that sounded super lame to me So personally. when do you become It's a great program for most humans. So you yeah. become rich. <laughs> At the classic retirement age, and then you learn that like retirement isn't an age, like isn't a number. It's, it's an la said that backwards. So retirement isn't an age; it's a number. So you can hit your retirement goal without being sixty-five. And so, the idea of doing the same thing once you hit baby step four for like the next thirty years just sent and like I wanted to die a bit inside. <laughs>
0: So in a nutshell, it was no debt,
2: no debt. So in a nutshell, no debt, debt, never use a credit card. Credit cards are evil and bad. And so is debt of any kind. Um, And you don't want to have loans on properties. But he's actually fascinating to listen to because occasionally he'll tell listeners to keep their rental properties and pay them off as a part of their snowball. So I've kind of like, when I very first got into real estate, I was like, I'm just going to do the reverse. I'm going to buy all my rental properties with debt, 20% down, and then pay them off and pretend like it's part of my snowball. Because I've heard him tell people that have rentals and love them and don't want to get rid of them, that they can keep them. So I'm like, well, he wouldn't applaud this situation. If I call, so if I told him today, my goal is to buy five rentals with heaps of debt, he would be like, no, that's a terrible idea. But if I called in five years and had them already in a solid plan, he'd probably say keep them. So I'm like, I'll just call in later once I've scaled up <laughs> with yeah. a lot of debt. And that's kind of how that reverse, I guess, mindset is how I started creeping into the world of real estate because I ran some really nerdy, like financial calculators and rentals just make such a big impact on your retirement age. So, and kind of that trajectory, it really shortened it like way less years, like that sounded way more fun than saving into index funds. So, yeah.
0: So Go ahead, Diego. Go ahead.
1: Yeah. Right now, what does your portfolio look like now that you took the, like you you were into Dave Ramsey, then you went into Robert Kiyosaki, investing <laughs> for good debt. What does your portfolio yeah. look like now? And then we can go back.
0: What does your debt look like now? No, I'm just kidding.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, I have no personal debt except, <laughs> except um, I have a credit card that I'm paying off this month. Cool, cool. (laughs) Because I just wanted to finish my bathroom remodel before my next tenants moved in. And so I was like, pay off the lawyer from my divorce or do I pay off this credit card? And so the credit card waited for a month. So anyway, long story short, lawyers are very expensive. (laughs) And so, so today I have a little over a hundred thousand dollars in my retirement plans and IRAs. Um, so I do, So Dave Ramsey says 15%, you put in 15%, I do 15%, like plus the match. So if my employer does say 6%, I do 11 or however that math works out, I'm I haven't slept well today. So do my mental math for me. And so I just do up to a total combined amount of 15%. So um, as I've gone on to different jobs, my match has gotten higher. So that's helped a lot. So I think right now I'm only contributing 6% into 401ks and they match 10, which is unheard of, which is awesome. So that is awesome. Yeah. And so that's what I'm currently doing with that. So about a hundred thousand dollars amongst, um, IRAs and 401ks and IRAs are all rollovers from prior jobs. I've never actually contributed to an IRA. Um, my daughter has an HSA account and I just maxed that out last year, which is only, I think $6,000, mm-hmm. dollars And then I max out my HSA every year, which is around 6,000 because HSAs are awesome for people that don't know about them. So that's my nerdy. So an HSA, an HSA is a health savings account. Um, so in order to do an HSA, you need to have a high deductible health plan, um, which a lot of people do you usually have one of those options through your employer. If you're employed, a lot of people who like if you do real estate full time, probably a high deductible plan is what most people have. Um, and so you're qualified to do an HSA. And so you can put like tax free money into an HSA. So essentially it's a tax benefit. You're reducing your taxable income. And then it sits there and you can use it at no, like there's no taxes on the money if you use it for healthcare expenses, which is usually what people know. And then what people don't realize is that the age of 65, so 65 does matter, it becomes a traditional retirement account. And so it becomes retirement savings later and you don't have all the tax obligations that like some other accounts have. So it has like a triple net tax benefit, which you can Google and learn all about if you're a huge nerd like me.
0: <laughs> and this is outside of the Roth, right?
2: Yes. Yeah.
0: Okay, cool. So you could basically have two Roths tax-free?
2: I know. I incomeed out of a Roth, but yeah. <laughs> that's a good how problem. To flex that's a good flexing. problem. I was
0: going <laughs> to say how to flex without flexing, right?
2: <laughs> so I, I and I do a traditional 401k because now when you get to certain income levels, the name of the game is reduced taxable income. So I don't get drilled in taxes. So that's what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So.
0: So your portfolio, what does that look like now? Do you have one house, two house, three house? Where are you at? (laughs) So
2: this is complicated. Okay. So technically I have my house hack, which I own. Um, I'm like 10% down on it. Um, I originally bought it with a private money lender. We can get into that. Um, And then I just bought a duplex yesterday. (laughs) So I own two properties myself. Um, And then for those of you who don't follow me, I went through a divorce over the last year. And so we're selling all the properties we had together. And so that includes a primary residence, a piece of land and three rental properties, one of which is a duplex. And so I had four units before, but they're being sold off, but I currently still own those four units. So technically I'm at four, five, six, seven, eight. Yeah. Technically I'm in eight units today, but I'm about to sell four of them over the next two weeks.
0: Do you plan on just reinvesting that money back into, like, I know through the divorce, you're probably like made to sell it. I'm assuming your portion, you're just going to buy more real estate. It was
2: to get out of a high conflict divorce situation. It was an easy, so it's actually super interesting, I guess, if you think about it. So if you're going through like a very high conflict situation and the person keeps changing their mind, um, we appointed a receiver. And so this person, we gave her ownership of all five properties and she's a realtor and we chose her. And she gets to choose the list prices. She gets to accept the offers. She gets to review all the offers and we have no say in it because it was worth my sanity and this ending within a reasonable amount of time to do that. And so I've actually been really hands-off through the sale process, which is a recovering control freak was a lot, (laughs) but it's been awesome because the 2021 market is so stinking hot. Like you, I mean, everything's selling for really ridiculous amounts of money. So it's going really well. So I think if I was in a harder market right now, and like and not a seller's market, then I would want more control over it, but it was definitely the easiest way out, especially right now. So.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, let's, uh, if you're okay with it, I wouldn't mind digging into that a little bit. Yeah, um, go for, it. for, for anyone out there that's in real estate and, uh, you know, is going through a divorce or or is thinking about it or is about to start that, what pushed you through that? What pushed you through the divorce, real estate? And it sounds like you're still buying real estate. I feel like I might be turned off by real estate at that point. I'd be like, I don't want to know anything about this for a minute. What what uh, What was that mindset?
2: I think when I originally got into real estate, I thought you had to be handy. And so I kind of got into it with my spouse thinking he would do the repairs and maintenance and everything. And then I lived through when you're, you know, business partner, essentially when things go South and they're not engaged anymore, they're not doing the repairs, they're making mistakes and errors because of like extraordinary life circumstances. And so I've kind of lived through a partnership going South, which I'm sure a lot of people could probably relate to. But I learned through this process that I can find people to kind of do those roles that I thought. I needed to have when I started in real estate, but I learned that I have other skills. And so I can still build wealth and do all these amazing things and, you know, have the awesome tax benefits and the depreciation and all like the fun, nerdy, I guess, real estate things. And a lot of the running the number skills are actually more kind of valuable in this space. I think than working on your houses physically, it is, I think it's hard for people that know how to do all the repairs to step back out of their business and manage the company, um, and for me, I don't know a ton. I mean, I can't stop painting houses, but other than that, I'm I'm a recovering painter.
0: OK, let's let's be honest, Sarah. That's therapy. I've seen your Instagram. You painting. Oh, no. is I it's like, you. it's like, like I see I see you pissed off on Instagram. And then in the evening, it's painting. And I'm like, yep, I see what she did there. It's either that or get drunk, whatever.
2: Uh, And I don't drink anymore, like hardly at all, except for last weekend. I went to Austin, Texas and had a good time. But anyway, I yeah, I stress paint now. So (laughs) it's very therapeutic.
0: Guys, if you don't follow Sarah on Instagram, you have to you have to go follow her because, you know, she's having a rough day when she's like, I'm going to take apart this kitchen. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, the whole kitchen. Like you're going to take apart the whole kitchen. Yeah, the whole thing
2: like I epoxied my backsplash last week and that was definitely like a stress decision (laughs) it turned out pretty good but it's you know you make impulse choices when you're like what do I want to do what can I else can I do around my house so it's a good outlet I feel like
0: (laughs) so tell us tell us your real estate strategy What what do you what do you what's your strategy are you buying multifamily? are you flipping homes what's your real estate strategy what are you doing
2: um, so buy and hold, so long-term buy and hold, because really looking for those like income reducing benefits. So like, I, I like to show a loss on the business because it reduces my taxable income for people want to know like the nitty gritty of things. Um, which means I just renovate a load of things every year and then show a loss, um, so even though I'm making income, but eventually that'll kind of trade off. Like I'm not going to do that forever. So, but right now that's kind of the game I'm playing is just building up houses and kind of front loading all the big expenses and getting, you know, new roofs, new windows, like that kind of thing up front. Um, and then usually single family up to a four unit, but so far I've only done single and duplexes. So I guess that's kind of been my niche. I really like a single family home because I think people will stay in there for years and years. And I'm kind of, now I've learned, I kind of want to shop for like the perpetual renters. So that's kind of the market I'm trying to hit because then I'm just like, I hate turnovers. It's just such, it's a lot of work. So I'm trying to figure out different properties, kind of reduce turnover. And so I'm changing how I'm shopping a bit more now that I've lived through a really pain in the ass in my own house. She was the worst, and,
1: so and Sarah, what um what part of the states are you in just so that people can know?
2: Yeah, so I'm in Indiana, which is Midwest for people who don't know. Um, so I get the benefits of Midwest prices, so which
1: are how much right now 2021?
2: Um, the house I'm living in that I'm house hacking was 310. Um, mm-hmm. I bought it for 280, but it appraised for 310 when I refied it. Um, cool. forced depreciation, I remodeled it to get that number, and then. Um, the duplex I just bought was 183, which I feel like is a steal in this market. Uh, so yeah, around up. like 150, 180 probably. And, and
0: how are you financing?
2: Uh private money, the last two.
0: Wait a minute. Does that not go against the the yeah, let's get into that. So private money.
2: So I could like blast on Instagram. I put no money down on my last two houses and it would not be wrong. <laughs> so <laughs>
0: talk it, talk us through that. Talk us through the nerdy, the nerdy of that. Talk nerdy to us.
2: Um, so for, okay. So for my house that I bought, um, me and my daughter just needed a place to live. Um, I needed to get out of a bad situation. And so we were looking for an exit and then I was 31 years old and living with my parents. And that was not ideal. I'm like, I love you guys. Bless you for taking in me and a nine month old, (laughs) but I love you guys. And we will coexist greatly outside of this. And I have a good job. And I like to think I have Together. So it just was. So we did three months with my parents. And then I shopped around private money lenders to buy my current house hack. And so kind of went through a process, talked to a few different people, including someone on this call (laughs) about.
0: So you should thank me. You should thank me because my uh, my expensive loan, yeah, my expensive loan got you a really good rate. Do you want to tell that story? So,
2: if it wasn't for Felipe, I probably wouldn't have, have two houses right now. So, a thousand percent. Like, yeah, he's so proud. <laughs> for those of you who can't see, he's celebrating. Um, so, essentially, me and Felipe have been talking for a long time, and I'm like, I really want to do some deals. I'm having like, I I don't know if I was scared to ask people for you know money or whatever, but I think out of necessity, I just wanted to um, possibly not own this house for a minute until my life settled down or to do with private money because I really didn't have any money at the time left. Um, and so I talked to Felipe for a while and he has a high rate (laughs) to invest with him, which is actually really reasonable for like hard money rates, um, even some private money rates. So, I mean, he's spot on for that type of lending, but I really wanted something better. So then I started asking family members and friends, um, I have a couple of friends who thought about investing with me and haven't yet, but they still talk about it. I'm like, if I find a good house for you guys, I'll let you know. And so I ended up doing it with a family member at a 4% interest rate, which kind of knocked Felipe's out of the water. But I took with them this proposal. 4% Diego. That's crazy. I took took to them this proposal and I said, I'm going to do this with Felipe at this rate to Mm -hmm. buy this house because this house is the perfect opportunity. And it's in a highly appreciating area, which doesn't happen a lot around here. And so they were like, that rate's ridiculous. I'm like, I know you want to help me out, <laughs> which like, it wasn't that ridiculous, but it was definitely more than I wanted to be spending in terms of an interest only loan. So, um, cause the margins kind of were skinny on this house and I didn't want to totally kill my deal. So, you know got was able to secure a four percent interest with and I came with like all my spreadsheets and gave them business presentation and all they were cared about was Felipe's offer being high
1: (laughs) and they so did they finance the whole purchase price or did you get that or did they finance a down payment
2: they bought the house cash
1: they bought the house cash Mm -hmm. interesting and what were the terms so it was four percent but what
2: else Four percent interest only for one year and then I had to refi yeah yeah Easy. And so I converted my one bedroom, one bath basement into a two bedroom with a bonus room. (laughs) Is this the window? This is the window. So
0: we got to, we got to dig into this.
2: Okay. So my basement, when we walked through it, there is a back bedroom and then there's this huge ass living room, like the biggest living room ever, like more space than one would ever need. And there's this giant picture window. And I'm like, got out my measuring tape, measured this window. And I'm like, it literally is perfectly set up. It was four panels. The two panels in the middle were stationary, the outside two opened and the outside windows were exactly the proper dimension and height for an egress window. And so I'm like, we're buying this and I'm splitting this window in half and Felipe and I think everyone else but me were like what the hell are you doing to this window like there's this beautiful
0: we all held our breath on Instagram as you were showing like you were I remember you were like I'm gonna put a wall there and I was like right down the middle of a window Mm -hmm. go ahead go ahead tell the story
2: so the trim piece was almost the width of drywall and so we ended up having to like do a little tricky like molding work on the window, but I'm like, we're going to run a wall down the middle and cut this room off at one end and cut this giant picture window in half. And so you'll have beautiful bedroom views and you'll have a living room view still. But my poor dad and Felipe were very concerned about my idea. And then I'm like also concerned, but I'm like, I don't have any better choice. Like I love this house. It needs a third bedroom. This is the legal way to do it. And so we're just going for it. So I had to like be my own hype man to be like, it's fine guys, it's gonna be great. But meanwhile, I'm like freaking out inside, but you know, no one knew that until the end. I'm like, oh my gosh, I was so worried too. And they're like, what? You were so excited the whole time. You seem confident. I'm like, you're you're welcome. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah about that <laughs> it could
2: totally look terrible i don't know what's going to happen but it looks great you can't even tell from outside so wow. if you go on instagram and look under my i think i have like two highlights so under my house hacked now so it'd be probably in the first highlight you'll see me like draw on the camera like there's going to be a wall built in the middle of this window and everyone freak out <laughs> man so, but it worked great yeah
1: and Got me so a legal bedroom and so that property now is, or at least the bottom part, how much money is that bringing in? Uh,
2: 1300 a month.
1: So Just I downstairs?
2: Yeah.
0: Good job. Wow.
1: And what's yeah. your mortgage?
2: 1382 So you're paying like 82
1: bucks a month yeah. to- to live in a $310,000
2: house. Yeah. Yeah. I was living for free for a minute with my, um, marijuana smoking tenant that I got rid of. So, (laughs) but I was like, it's worth it to discount my rent price a little bit because there's a family trying to hit a specific price point. And so I dropped it a little bit for them. And I think I'm actually going to drop it a little bit more for them if they sign a two-year lease, Mm -hmm. um, because I don't want to deal with turnover. So um, yeah. I have a lease sent to them for 1,200. So I'll be living for like 160, 180. So, but it's now, worth it, it to keep these good people. So I moved. So one of the properties we're selling, I moved the tenants out of that property or they have to leave by Monday and they're moving into my basement now. So it's actually All really nice. great timing that they're household really fast my lady got out who was smoking weed in my basement and they get to live there at a discount and they're locking in a two year lease. So I'll have awesome. new house act tenants on Saturday. So.
0: Very cool. Very cool.
1: And when, when did you refinance that property? Or happy. Because um, you said you bought I it for did. 280 and it just appraised. So right, we bought
2: 310? it 280 in June of last year. And then okay. I just refied out of it in April. It's so like April 12th, I want to say. And it appraised for 310. So okay.
1: Awesome. And now what, what are the terms on the new loan for people that that it's a conventional?
2: Hear
1: conventional. So, 20% down? Like conven- 20%.
2: No. So it's a, like a primary residence loan. So okay. I think I'm a little shy of 10%. Um, okay. So we did like so a equity gift into that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So we did a gift of equity to pay for the down payment. And so I didn't put any money into the deal. That's the first time I've ever closed and gotten a check. So that mm-hmm. was really badass. It was $2,000. I didn't Instagram it, <laughs> but I was like, they really do give checks out in real life. <laughs> so it was pretty cool to, but I had put $26,000 into the basement to renovate it and doing the driveway on the side, which is like double Felipe's numbers. So,
0: so Sarah, really quick out of curiosity, can you, can you tell the audience like how important it is uh, to start off like what you're doing with house hacking and like eliminating your biggest expense, Right. Uh, how does that fit into what you're doing? Let's talk about that real quick. I know you're nerdy with it.
2: Yeah. It's crazy. Important. I would say if you can convince whoever you are, co my toddlers too, she doesn't have much, but she hasn't complained yet <laughs> about the <house> hacking. <laughs> but I, I really think it's the best way to start because you're cutting out your biggest monthly expense probably. And so, you know, I have an extra $1,000 a month to now invest, which is like 12,000 a year, give or take that I wouldn't have otherwise. And I mean, around here, that could almost be a down payment on a house. So that's a lot of money, but I think people glance right over it and think you can't house hack, um, especially because they always say like, I have kids and I, whatever. And I'm like, coach Carson has like a whole team of kids. I think he only has three um, and he house hacks. <laughs> and there's a lot of investors who house hack their way. Um, Felipe's mom was a ha- did house hacking back when, yes. before it was a thing. So I mean, it's just a really good way to go to get your expenses down because I I wouldn't be where I was at. And I needed to house hack at the time as well, just because I was covering the mortgage on every all five properties that we owned together for I think 10 months. And so yeah, it was a little bit of a chaos time the period, period for me. But now I'm like on the upswing. Now I'm like I only have my own bills and I'm paying like 80 bucks to live in a really nice house. So
1: that's awesome. Right, That's right. awesome. Because yeah. it's, uh, and, and what you were saying, Sarah, about uh, reducing, like, if you can eliminate your living expenses, like, yeah. sure, you can sacrifice, say, a little bit, right? Well, now I'll have a basement that I wanted to have as a game room, whatever. You can, people can create so many excuses. I'm but too busy to just... have a
2: game room. <laughs> Be too busy to have a game room and then you won't yeah. have this problem. <laughs> exactly.
1: Exactly. But if people just decided, right, to sacrifice for two years or three years yeah. and house hack, live with roommates or buy a duplex, mm-hmm. live with a tenant, uh, live with somebody in the basement, whatever. I feel like if they just did that, uh, they can do so much more in the future because, that gives them that leg up right in the beginning. Just like you said, your mortgage is 1300, right? But if you didn't, if you completely eliminated, you have an additional $14,000, $12,000 a year. But if you do that every single year, that can add up. And people don't look at it that way. And Dave Rancy has a quote too. It's like, if you live for two years, like most people don't, you can live for the rest of your life, like most people won't. So at the end of the day, it's like, uh, People just need to understand that house hacking is a great way to just sacrifice a little bit, but still create wealth, create, reduce your expenses and also be able to create a portfolio slowly but surely.
2: Yeah.
0: And then Sarah, it's interesting because uh, I think Diego took that house hacking to the extreme. If I'm not mistaken, he lives like in a penthouse in Austin and still hasn't bought his own house because every house he buys, he just house hacks it and moves on to the next one. So he just never buys his own house. But Sarah, uh, for the audience, uh, I'm a single mom or a single dad, or or I'm alone. I don't want to house hack. I'm too scared. How did you get over the fears of doing that? And what about your parents? Like, what did they say about you, like house hacking your house?
2: I'm really close to my family, so they have all the opinions. Um, so they walked it with me and loved the house. So my house is gorgeous it's on an acre. It's on a river. It's really good area. And but everyone and their brother were like there's gonna be people living in your basement. I'm like, we're not living together. Like I, there's a fireproof barrier between the two levels of our home and the stairwell is closed because that was what you needed for fire code. Always called the building department before you remodel. Um, And so I'm like, there's an entire like level, like we're not hanging out. We don't cohabitate together. We're not like sharing room. Hey, let me
0: get some coffee. <laughs>
2: yeah. Like we're, I'm like, I don't want to hang out. Like I literally walk the house with potential tenants. I'm like, we're not going to hang out. Like I'm going to stay in the front yard. You're going to stay in the backyard. And like, here we are. So, <laughs> I mean, they have their own beautiful patio. I have a full acre. So they have like a half acre on the back. I have a half acre in the front. And so it's kind of perfect for this situation, but you know, I shot for something that I knew I could live in. Um, So I have this uh, guy, actually, the contractor that just in my bathroom, he drove by my house like three times trying to find it because he knew I was house hacking and knew the story. And he's like, I never thought this house would have a rental unit in the basement. You can't see it from the road. And he's like, I thought this was a really nice house. And I didn't think this would be here. Like, thanks a lot for the vote of confidence. But I think you can shop differently when you house hack. Also, you can still buy a nice home that you're proud to live in. And the neighbors probably hardly know minus the odd large amount of cars coming in and out of here. So,
0: but But it's important what you just said, Sarah. And I think that a lot of times people forget that when you're house hacking or shopping for a house to house hack, it's not necessarily about like giving up, um, you know, security or giving up your being comfortable or even giving up what you want. Cause I know, for example, Diego has some really nice house hacks out in Austin, like some beautiful homes that I've seen him take pictures in front of, and he rents them by the room. So you don't have to give up you being comfortable to house hack you just buy a house that fits that mold. Like you said, for example, I house hack, uh, a a four bedroom, one bath upstairs. And then downstairs it's a three bedroom, one bath. So downstairs, like you said, there's a full wall, my upstairs tenants and my downstairs tenants never even cross paths because my upstairs tenants park upstairs, go upstairs, go go to their room, same thing downstairs. They have their own entrance. So there's no, never really any like crossing paths or like, Hey, he drank my milk. It's (laughs) like, you're upstairs, you're downstairs, right? Like They never, they never cross paths. So I think it's important for people that are listening to the show today uh, to realize that you don't have to give up your lifestyle to house hack, right? And my house, the
2: upstairs of my house is beautiful for people who haven't seen it. Like it's nicer than probably a lot of people's. Like it just feels like a single story ranch. Like you wouldn't, I'm not missing out on anything by not having a basement. I have a main floor laundry. I have the garage up here, but again, like I'm still hitting numbers in this market. So I think that's the advantage too, of Shopping for a single family home, you can convert into a duplex too.
0: So let's move on from this property property number two. As you find it, number what two are you doing in the Property number two. What's I'm very the proud debt, of it this? being
2: off the MLS in 2021. What talk about it? That never happens anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so found it on the exo. So actually my realtor who has sold me, I think every property, but one, um, called me and she's like, Hey, my, um, her partner. So she is a new partnership. Her partner is about to list a duplex and she's like, it just looks like a property you'd like, because I'm pretty, I like a nicer house. I'm picky about aesthetics somewhat. And it was the garage in the middle with the duplexes to the sides. So there's less, you know, people on top of people and a side-by-side duplex and it was in great shape and so I was the first one to look at it um so it was listed we had to give the tenants 24 hours notice and so I went in like 24 hours and 10 minutes (laughs) when we could get in like first one to see it and then there was a bunch of showings after me but we put in an offer right away um and then I did an escalation clause which I've talked about a little bit on Instagram but I can talk about that too so yeah
0: please what is an escalation clause how does that work
2: so on this duplex, so found on the MLS, I'm like, okay, well, this is clearly not going to sell for the 165 or whatever it was listed for, and so I put an offer at 165, and then you add an addendum, which is just a piece of paperwork your realtor gets together, which is your escalation agreement, and so you put in what your max kind of your maximum you'd ma- you spend on the property, which is your cap, and so mine was was 196. And then you do your escalation kind of increment in there as well. So how much you want to beat other offers by. And so I can't remember what I did at the time, but I ended up, you know, offering 165 saying my cap is 196 and getting it for 183. So I was shocked. It didn't go all the way up, which is really exciting because you'll only beat another person's offer above, you know, you'll only go up by whatever increment you set. So you could say I'll beat Any offer up to $195 by like $200 or $2,000, you can kind of pick whatever you want. So, yeah. And then I learned something interesting. I don't know if this is in all states or if you guys have used um, them, but in Indiana, it's the net proceeds of the sale is what you escalate above, which is something interesting. And so... I essentially did everything in my offer to get the net proceeds of the sale to the seller higher. So I paid for their closing costs. I paid for their title work. I paid for like anything I could have there. to just like beat out the other offers. And so I feel like that probably helped get the purchase price down a little bit.
1: Yeah, that's, that's really smart because at that point is sure the sales price is important, right? But if they have the sales price and they're paying the title policy that let's say is three thousand and giving a thousand dollar for home warranty and paying HOA right. whatever, uh, that can begin to add up. And if people are not comp- and if they compare sales price and the net sheets like the net profits and all of that stuff, yeah. they're gonna pick the one that gives them the more the more most cash in their pocket. Right. So that's really smart.
2: Yeah because we didn't, I didn't realize that until we got to that page. And I'm like, oh shoot, we need to go back to the original offer and like change a bunch of stuff because I want to pay for everything of theirs that I can to help that Mm. out. So, I mean, it was an all cash sale again with the same private money lender. So thank you, Felipe, because they did it. We did it once together and they got their money back and they're like, this is sweet. We get rent checks. We get paid every month. We get interest only payments and then we get our money back. And so they did another deal with me and I was The next yes was a lot easier because they've seen it done once now, so. That's cool. That's amazing.
0: And
1: and so this one, you said you just closed
2: on it? Yeah, yesterday, so. Okay,
1: and you bought it for 183 and something. And what is the plan for that property?
2: Um, So there's two tenants in it right now. So it's rented on both sides. Um, Their rents are so low. Um, One's paying 625 a month and one's paying 580. Um, and And market's like, eight to 900, maybe up to a thousand is like comp. So they're like 200 to $300 under market value. And so um, one lady's moving out. So she's building a house. It should have been built already, but supply shortages. She said, they're waiting for like the wood for her kitchen cabinets and then she'll be out. So I'm just gonna let her write out her loan. And then I get to ruin grandma's life and have a little come to Jesus about how under market value she is and how, like, I have bills to pay. No, um, we're just gonna have a little chat because, you know, I'd like to meet her in the middle because she keeps a really tidy house, but I don't know if that's feasible for her budget and kind of where she is. But she's it's an older lady. Her husband passed away a few years back, and the current landlord, you know, sold the property because he just felt too bad to raise her rent. But, you know, he also said, the cost of the house were getting too expensive with how low their rent was so i feel like you just have to have a frank conversation about you know i bought this house i have you know a mortgage to pay uh you know it's an interest only payment to pay right now and you have all these bills you have taxes you have you know lots of things that go into it and so we'll have a little chat and we'll see what happens with her so i'll talk all about that we'll see i send them letters the day of closing So. That's kind of how I did my last inherited tenants. I just sent the letter being like, hey, just letting you know about the transfer of ownership. I'm Sarah. I'm going to serve as the property manager. Um, If you need anything, reach out to me. Here's my contact. Here's my PO box. Um, Call me at this number or email me to set up a meeting in the next two weeks. And we're going to chat about a real lease agreement and (laughs) all of those things. Their lease is one page, not like one page front and back, like literally the front of a page of paper is the lease that's terrible. So I I just, I'm very anxious. I'm going to get them on a real lease and then ruin their dreams about raising rent, but it just just needs to happen because we need to stay somewhat competitive with the market. We need to come up a little bit like 530 is ridiculous in this market. So, yeah.
1: And so is your plan to like in six months refinance to a regular conventional loan? What is your plan to pay your, your private money back?
2: Yes. So this is interesting. So, um, I am going to, so my plan is, so we are currently selling those five properties that me and husband had owned together. And so one of them is closed already four, three of them are pending sale and one has yet to be listed. And so when I get the proceeds of all of those sales, I'm going to put it down on this house um, or I'm going to essentially buy the house back with them. So I'll pay my lender with whatever proceeds I get. It should be, I'm, I don't know if it'll be like, it should at least be half of the amount I owe them. And then I think I'm either going to A, refinance it on a 20-year, 20% down conventional again um, is with a portfolio lender and then, or do a HELOC on it. I haven't decided. So I guess that'd be a good question for you guys is would you 20% down payment and then do a mortgage or would you HELOC on that? Or what would you do? What would you do in my situation? You're getting like roughly $100,000, give or take. What do you do with that?
0: (laughs) Personally, if you don't have a rhyme or reason immediately for the money, uh, I would absolutely put a line of credit on it just so that you can reuse the money. So a lot of times, if you notice real estate investors' biggest problem when they first start out or, or at any time is, where am I, can I find the money? And if you can become your own bank, then it's possible because you have a very good W-2, so you're able to refinance or get deals on other properties, Right. So what I would do if I were you is I'd put a line of credit so that you have continual revolving access to the finances, i.e. the 100,000, right? Uh, oh, let me give you sure, an example. I'm not even
2: in like Dave Ramsey world, because this is like what Flippe <laughs> explaining is exactly what I want to do. And it's like so far removed. I'm like, I've gone to the yes. full dark side. Like, give me a line of credit. Yes. I just want to be my own bank. Like, please don't make me talk to another lender about <laughs> financing. <Yes>. So again. <laughs> this is
0: I have I have three available lines of credits. Uh, all three are over six figures. And I've never had to. I don't want to. I want to say that lightly. I have had to pull loans again, but I've. I, I am my own bank when it comes to down payments and things like that. Like I never stress about. Oh my gosh, I got to take money out to do a deal, right? So I'll give you an example. I have one house that's completely paid off. It's worth uh, one ninety, and I have a hundred and fifty thousand dollars line of credit on it. Uh, as deals come up my way, I pull from my line of credit. There's my down payment money, and then the loan loves it because the loan. Uh, when they look at DTI, they only look at my interest payment as debt, not the whole line of credit, nor how much I pull out. So they're like, oh, your interest payment on a $100,000 is going to be, what, 500 bucks, 400 bucks? They're like, okay, that's a no-brainer. That's fine. We can let you borrow it. Um, and then what I just go do is I either go wholesale, flip, or refinance another property to pay off that debt, and then I just redo it, right? And then I can just reuse that money over and over and over again. Uh, or if I'm like, okay, the market's going up, I'm going to interest only for six months. Once the, one of my properties is available to refi, I refi and I pay off the line of credit. Or like I said, I do a flip or my tenants pay off the line of credit. It doesn't matter. It's irrelevant because I get this great deal that I'm paying more money cash for than anyone else. Uh, for example, Diego and I right now are in the middle of buying 16 units in Georgia uh, and it's going to require 65,000 from each person. And I don't have to worry about where am I going to get that money? Is it coming out of savings? What's going on? Uh, I just, I'm just going to go to my line of credit and it's going to add, I think, I think it's like a hundred bucks to my hundred, probably maybe, maybe 200 bucks to my debt, uh, a month. And that's no big deal. Cause one of my tenants half mortgage or one of my tenants will pay for that. And I get a 16 unit apartment complex. So I, I'm not worried about that cash anymore. Uh, and now I have the line of credits for six years. So now I have six years to figure out how to pay off 50 grand, which is not a big deal. Right. So it's a great I think I think lines of credit are are a great strategy for anyone to use responsibly. Uh, and if you have the availability to do it, I would say a hundred percent. And then I'll say one more thing about that and then I'll get off my high horse. What I also like about line of credit over over the burst strategy, which sells a lot. I like the line of credit strategy better uh, because it's something that you have available to you. And you're not risking the market. And what I mean by that is, uh, let's say Austin, right? Austin, you bought a $200,000 home a year ago. Now it's worth $400,000. Great. You have $200,000 in equity. Good for you. So you have two options. You either go burn that money and use it once, and then it's gone, and you're paying interest on it forever. Or two, you put a line of credit on that money. You have access to it. You use it as you please to buy more deals, and you're only paying interest on money that you're actually using, and it's revolving. You pay it off. You can use it again when you burr you take the money with you and you can only use it once cuz they're not going to give you a burr again right you have to wait for equity to go up so with a line of credit you're able to revolve revolving use that money to buy more deals
2: yeah so that's kind of my my thought too how are you feeling about it diego do you like the felipe model
1: <laughs> i do i do now um, there's two there's two things if you mentioned that you were that you wanted to do a 20 year amortize I wouldn't recommend that because the 20 year amortize is it shows a higher DTI, right? Mm -hmm. Your, your debt is going to be higher because you're paying more in less amount of years comparing to a 30 year loan. You can get a 30 year loan and you can still pay it off in 20 years or 15 years, Mm
2: -hmm. but you
1: cannot change that back. You cannot tell the bank, Hey, I took a 20 year loan. Can I pay it in 30? So you have more power. And uh, sure, on paper, you might pay interest longer, but you can always pay it, pay the principal down so that you can pay it in 20 years. That's number one. Yeah. Number two, um, I feel like you can, well, with the mortgage payment being lower, you can also have a better quote unquote cash on cash return because your mortgage payment is lower, better returns that way. But then um, I would totally do the the line of credit strategy now is did your private lender put a lien on the property no or no? no okay so this is amazing that's why i wow. went like holy crap because you took basically the bank when you're gonna get a heloc or yeah. if you refinance the property or whatever
2: mm-hmm. the
1: bank is not gonna know that you have to pay somebody else right so you can literally you're paying four percent to somebody else interest only and you can get a line of credit whenever let's say the bank says hey you have to wait six months before you can get a line of credit you can do that let's say we're in june we're in june you can get that in december and you can start using that line of credit it's the interest rate is still going to be four percent but now you can make that money work now at this point you're paying interest only on one thing for four percent and you're still paying only interest only on the other one shoot you have so much you have a lot of opportunity
2: yeah um so interesting thing about this 20 year so i a thousand percent agree with diego on so i put my house hack on a 30 year because it's interesting because dave ramsey is all about like risk avoidance but he's like do a 15 year but if you think about like risk wise you have flexibility to pay your 30 year like a 15 but if you're like if it goes south or things get bad or like who knows what life happens in general, like over the course of 30 years, you have an option to pay it slower if you need to. And so I really like the 30 year. The interesting thing about the 20 year, which I need to preface by saying that is the only reason I'm talking 20 years is because I do a portfolio loan on rentals. Um, So I have a bank that will lend to me with a portfolio loan and the shortest term they will do, or the longest term they will do is 20 years, but that also does not negatively impact my DTI in any way because it's held it's held so a portfolio loan is a commercial loan and it's held within the bank so the bank doesn't sell it on the secondary market so like banks make money by like so my house right now like chase bank owned it or whatever and then they sold it to like freddie may if like however that all works they sell it on a secondary market so that's why it's conventional and conforming portfolio loans are not the bank just holds them and keeps that money essentially to themselves and keeps lending from their own kind of pocket And they don't sell them on the secondary market. And so that doesn't show up. Like, So if a bank runs my credit, they can't see that I own any of the rentals that I own right now because it's all held privately with a bank. So that's the cool thing about portfolio lenders.
0: That is really cool. They don't
2: offer a 30-year with the one I really like. Um, One offers a 15, one offers a 20. So. Yeah. So that's my only weird caveat is portfolio loans kind of change up the game a little bit and I've tried really hard to get someone to do a 30 year with me and they won't. So that's oh, where yeah. I I would,
0: I would I would take that Diego. I would take I would take a 20 year mortgage if it wasn't on my DTI. I think I'd be okay with that. Yeah. yeah. I'd be I'm I really don't
2: like the 15 year because I don't like how you're locked in. Like the 15 to 20 year like really changes a lot and you wouldn't think sure. it would. But the 15 right. year numbers just like hurt my heart and my cash flow. <laughs>
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I get that. I get that. So, Sarah, before we close it up and thank you again for spending time with us and kind of explaining everything with what you're doing. Uh what's next for for uh, Nerd's guy to five, if you guys don't know, that's Sarah's IG.
2: So, that's my Instagram. Um so I have a blog I've been working on. Um the lady who's now running my website or doing my website, she's getting married, um I think next weekend actually. Cool. And so, I was like make it through your wedding planning, and then we'll go back at like grinding it, like blog things. And so we're going to have some cool stuff hopefully in the next year once, you know, her wedding and honeymoon are all over and all those good things. Um, I also did like a handbook on kind of like tenant screening and things that I put out, um, but I haven't really advertised it yet because I think she and I are going to do some video content and things around it. So I'm going to be doing like a harder launch, but it's out there. It's on the blog. If people want to get on there and see anything, but it's kind of like bare bones right now until we really get into it. But I also do my podcast also. And so I have a new episode probably coming out next week. Um, Nice. I'm really inconsistent at posting, but first buy a house that seemed more important.
0: (laughs) Yeah, probably. Well, I find a place to live. That'd be great.
2: (laughs) I really wanted to keep all my tenants that I had. And so I've been like trying to find a house really bad to like keep all my people. And so that's what I did. And I managed to keep my two tenants, which is awesome. So
0: That's awesome. So where can people find you connect? Uh, I'm, I'm a nerd. I want to connect with Sarah. Just kidding. Where do I find you?
2: I'm good with it. I no shame. Um, so I'm on Instagram primarily. I pretty much live on there except for lately. I've been really busy because I just took a new day job and yeah. Um, so yeah. So Instagram under nerds guy defy, you can check out the podcast, but DM me on there. I still answer all my DMS. If people have any questions and I think my email and everything's on there as well. So yeah.
0: Check it out. Awesome. Thank you so much. Sarah, thank you so much for jumping on the Rat Race Defy podcast. Um, I really appreciate your story.
2: Always fun with you too. It. It's always a great time.
0: <laughs> it's always a good time. Com- we didn't even get into cryptocurrency.
2: Oh, man, we missed out. Oh,
0: we we want hate, to stay friends. I hate I crypto.
2: Felipe loves it. so.
0: <laughs> it's a perfect time to buy right now. The market's low. <laughs> Dogecoin.
2: Don't time the market. <laughs> <laughs> words so that's my sign off
0: <laughs> oh my gosh don't time the market we got we got to do a part two season now of cryptocurrency with nerds guide defy
2: there we go oh man i said i'll be like i have nothing to talk about but don't do it <laughs> but i mean <laughs> i'm just not like techie i guess
0: We'll we'll get into it we'll get into it next time diego any last words
1: no thank you so much sarah for for sharing your story it's very inspirational to see how like going through the divorce and stuff you're still like okay i'm gonna get rid of these houses and i'm going to continue buying and building yeah. the portfolio build a passive income house awesome. hack and get started again so the first property really we cool.
2: sold we um we sold it for 97 above what we bought it for in 2019 wow. so i'm doing pretty oh, good
1: man. yeah
0: good Even for you on
2: the rest of them but yeah i'm feeling like 2021 is a great year <laughs> that's good, good for you that's good oh so.
0: all right guys well thank you so much sarah the rap race to five podcast where we discuss money mindset real estate investing and ways to achieve financial independence whether you are a rookie or a veteran needing new ideas for investing or creating side hustles you're in the right place